All right, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 18. And we're going to read all the way through 35, so it's a good little chunk this morning. It says, uh, John's disciples told him about all these things. Those are the things we've talked about the last few weeks. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirit. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's ways were right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to each other. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And you say here is a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all of her children. Um. Three things I want to share with you from this story about this period of John's life. And that's the deal, guys. We're going to talk about a a, a period of John's life. This isn't who he was his entire life. This is who he is in this moment. And so we need to kind of get into this moment and see what's going on with him. And that's what we're going to do. And I think there's three important lessons for you and I in our text today. And here's the first thing I want you to see. I want you to see that even the strongest of saints struggles with doubt sometimes. Even the strongest of saints struggles with doubt sometimes. Now, Luke has just told us two great stories, hasn't he? Two amazing stories of healing is what he's just given us. And and the first one was about a centurion and his servant. Remember, there's a centurion and he had a servant whom he loved and the servant was sick and at at the point of death. And, And it's a story of great faith. It's a story of great faith. So the centurion uh, hears about Jesus and he sends some of the Jews to go get Jesus and say, hey, my my servant is dying, please come heal him. And and you remember the story as Jesus starts walking that way. He starts heading to the centurion's home. Centurion hears Jesus is actually coming and then he sends his friends. He says, no, 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 Tell Tell Jesus not to come. I'm not worthy of Jesus. I'm, I'm not worthy of having him come to my home. I'm not worthy of Jesus. But, but I know authority, and I know that Jesus is a man of authority. And because I'm a man of authority, and I understand authority, you just tell Jesus to say the word. Jesus can just say the word, and this death is going to be done with. Jesus can just speak the word. He's a man of authority. And Jesus, God himself, the Bible says, is amazed at this man's faith. 
God, creator of heaven and earth, who says, let there be light, is amazed at faith on earth. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's amazed at this man's faith. That's what the text is. He says, I haven't found faith like this, even amongst all of Israel, even amongst the people I came to save. And it's not that Jesus hadn't seen faith. He'd seen men carry a friend to him. He said, men, when they couldn't get in through the crowd of Pharisees, climbed up a roof carrying their brother, put a a hole in the roof and lowered him down gently, though I've told you my deal. If they had real faith, they would have just dropped him. Ah, Jesus would have taken care of it, right? Boom, there you go. There's Bob, Jesus. It was three stories, but it's cool. You got power, you know. I believe in you. They didn't believe that. Gently, gently, just drop him. It's Jesus, man. So they had great faith. This centurion, this centurion, he has faith unlike anyone else's. And it is great. And so Luke tells us that story, and we read that two weeks ago. And he follows that up by another story about healing. He says after he heals this centurion, he's, he's walking along, and his disciples are with him, and he's got a great crowd that follows him. And he enters into a village called Nain. Nain, which means pleasant village. And he gets to the pleasant village and he's met by a very unpleasant situation where a widow has just lost her only son. She's mourning. And, and, and she's, she's facing great financial difficulty. There will be no one to protect her. There will be no one to provide for. That's where she is now. Jesus meets her there. And in the midst of the morning, like, nobody says anything. Nobody has any faith. Nobody mentions, uh, Jesus, would you fix this? Jesus just is Jesus, and he has compassion. And he walks up to the funeral procession, puts his hand on the coffin. They all stop, kind of freaked out. And he says, son, I tell you, get up. And the guy gets up, and he starts talking about Jesus. Probably telling everything he heard. That was the first Heaven is for Real movie. So we have these two great stories of healing. One involves great faith. The other involves no faith. And Luke tells this story about John. Still going with the faith thing. We've got great faith. We've got no faith. Now this is kind of the middle ground. Here we have faith, but it's faltering. Here we have faith, but it's kind of starting to fail. Here we have faith, but it's, it's being tested. Here the faith of someone is, is beginning to show a little bit of doubt. Doubt's on display now. And the surprising thing for us should be the person that's struggling with doubt. It's John the Baptist. <laughs> and remember, Luke's writing. Luke didn't start his gospel off. He didn't lead with Jesus. He started with John, remember? And the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah. That's the old priest with his old wife and says, hey, by the way, you're going to have a son. And Zechariah's like, nah, that can't happen. And he's like, fine, shut up. You don't get to talk anymore until he's born. And then, and then remember, and so he's going to have the son. And then finally, you know, they're like, what are you going to name him? And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to name him John. You can't name him John. Zechariah gets... John, as soon as he writes it down, his lips are loose. He begins to talk. The Gospel of Luke begins with the story of John. And Luke starts that off because because when the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah in the first place to say, hey, you're going to have a son, what he speaks to him is the prophecy that God spoke in Malachi chapter 4. That's the last time God spoke about his rescue plan. Malachi 4, it's been 400 years. Malachi 4, he says, I'm going to send one in the spirit of Elijah. And he's going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers to prepare uh, the, uh, the way for the Lord. And, and that's where God stops his redemption story. Genesis through Malachi, God's like, I'm coming, I'm coming, rescue's coming, it's on its way. And then God's quiet. 400 years later, he picks up the story. Part two, rescue is about to arrive. And it's going to begin with a man named John. Think about this with me. John 
John realizes something even when he's a baby before he, he's fully functioning. Mary walks into the room with Jesus in her belly. And John leaps in his mother's womb. John is the first great preacher we meet in all of the New Testament. He, he's, he's a crazy dude, man. He wears like camel hair and he eats locusts and honey and he doesn't drink beer or wine. He's like, he's like a weird cat. He is the first um, California guy, Dan. You know what I'm saying? I mean, long before drinking grass was cool, this guy was, was, was blending it up into, into wheatgrass smoothies. This is the guy. He started the vegan, you know, revolution, this guy. And, and, here, and, here, and here's the guy. And, and, and people are flocking to him. And he doesn't have like a warm, fuzzy message. He's not Joel Osteen, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not like, oh, God just wants the best for your life. He, he's not, that's not his message. He's not just preaching, you just be good and sweet and everything will turn out like roses. Like, that's just not him. John, like, you go out to hear this cat, and he's in the desert, and he's like, you're a sinner, and you need to repent. What? And people are flocking to it. People are flocking. Turn on your TV and see what preacher stands up and says that, right? I mean, hey, hey, we've got a million watchers. You sinner, you need to repent. And everybody's like, yes, I do. And they're jumping in their bathtub, and they're showering, and cleaning. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you're not going to see it. John's that guy. He's the first great. I mean, we, we, we think I do church history. I love George Whitfield and Broadway, some of the greatest revivals that we've ever seen. And, and, and John, like John is like his predecessor. John is preaching a great revival and people are turning their hearts back to God and they're getting ready to enter the kingdom of God. And John's that guy. John's the first guy in all of the Bible that really realizes who Jesus is. Like, gets, gets it on his own. Like, God's like, hey, um, when you're baptizing people, I'm going to give you a sign. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to descend like a dove on the Messiah. And you're going to know it. And you're going to see it. And so John's baptizing Jesus. He's like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. Jesus is like, no, we got to do this, man. So he's baptizing him. And in the midst of baptizing him, Spirit descends like a, like a dove upon Jesus. And, and the Father's voice from heaven, hello, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. I just think God has a deep voice. I know we say that all the time. What if it's not? What if it, have you ever thought about that? This is my son and whom I'm... I'm just saying. Just like, I, I can get up there. Maybe God can too. Like he's excited voice. And, and so, but, but he, he hears the voice of God. Like John. Like he's the guy. John. This is the same guy. First one in the New Testament. He has his own disciples. And Jesus walks by and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. that takes away the sins of the world. This is John. And this guy, this spiritual giant, this spiritual saint is struggling with doubt. That's Luke's story. That, that's what Luke would tell us. That John, the, the, like the greatest, Jesus, this is what Jesus says about John. He's the greatest naturally born of a woman. I mean, that's what he says. We don't have to get into all the physicalities of that. We still got some young kids in the room. But I'm just saying, okay, and Jesus is like, John, the most, like, best amongst all the naturally born of women. And he is struggling with doubt. And this morning, I just want you to see it. I, 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 just, I just want you to take note. Because I don't know about you, but that brings me great hope. That if a spiritual saint like John can struggle with doubt every once in a while, that's okay if I do. It's okay if you do. All right? So we just start here. Even the strongest of saints... Struggles with doubts sometimes. Just take note of it, okay? Second thing I want you to see this morning 
how Jesus deals with doubts. Just see this. Jesus, Jesus deals tenderly with doubts. Jesus deals tenderly with our doubts. Verse um, 20 and 21, it says, When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Verse 21, At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And you need to notice what's missing here. There's no rebuke. I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the epistles. That's all the letters in the back half of the New Testament. Sometimes I read the epistles and I forget how gentle Jesus is. You ever done that? You read the epistles, which are written to somebody on purpose, you know, and and so they're writing on an occasion for a purpose, and you just miss the tenderness of Christ in it. And I'll give you an example. So here's the half-brother of Jesus, James. This is, listen, just just listen with me to what he says about doubts and doubters. Ready? Here we go. Um, James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. Awesome! That's a great promise. Yes! I love you, James. You're great. Then read on. (laughs) <laughs> but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Oh, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Thank you, James. Awesome. He's so sweet, kind. It's just what I needed. He wasn't Joel Osteen either. And it's easy to read that kind of thing. And it's easy to think when you read something like that, wow, God hates doubt. And not only does God hate doubt, but I read that, it sounds like God hates people that doubt too, doesn't it? But then we forget Jesus talked about people that doubted, and he dealt with people that doubted all throughout the Bible. And so why don't we see how he deals with it, okay? Listen to this out of Mark. Mark is, or Jesus is speaking about prayer. He says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it'll be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Notice there's no rebuke there. See, the difference that we see um, in our Savior is how he deals with the people that are struggling with doubt. He's always tender and he's always compassionate. Jesus is always tender and compassionate to, to the ones that are struggling with death. Like, notice what's missing in our passage. Jesus doesn't rebuke these guys. I mean, let, let's just be honest. We're being completely honest. Like, we might do that. I mean, you, you, Jesus has every right to rebuke these guys. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding? John? John is doubting, right? John, John sent you to ask me if I'm really the one. John, John leapt in his mama's womb when we were still in there. You got me, right? I mean, that's John, right? John, really? Like, John, the one whom my dad sent angels to his old dried up parents and said, hey, you're going to have a kid, and his daddy didn't believe, so my daddy wouldn't let him talk. And it, Like, John, really? That, that whole test, that John? You mean John, the one whom my father told him, whispered in his ear, said, I'll give you a sign, it's going to be a dove, you're going to see it. And John saw, that guy is now doubting? You mean the, the voice in the desert which my father sent to prepare the way for my kingdom is now doubting? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Trying to tell me that that guy's doubting? Really? Seriously? 
Because if I'm Jesus, I'm just like, John, you got to suck it up, Holmes. You do. you just got to suck it up and you need to die. You need to die with a little bit of grace. Thank God that we're not him, right? Because Jesus doesn't deal with people like that. Jesus may indeed despise doubt, but he never despises the doubters. Ever. You know what Jesus does? Jesus doesn't push him away. Jesus invites him in. Jesus doesn't rebuke John. He doesn't rebuke his disciples. He loves them. And that's what you need to hear this morning. Some of you walk through the doors and this is your natural bent. You doubt. And this morning, you need to understand. Jesus understands your doubt. He understands your doubt and he loves you. He loves you. Jesus loves doubters, okay? Third thing I'll share with you is what we need to do with our doubts. We'll be done. I want you to see this morning that our doubts are dispelled the more that we sit with Jesus. Our doubts are dispelled the more that we sit with Jesus. So what does Jesus do with the doubters? What does he do? Does, does he kind of like, like push them away? Like, nope, you guys got to get in the back. That's you guys, right? right? The front row is only for people with faultless faith. That's it. That's the front row. The front row is only for the, ki- the, the guys that are killing it when, it when it comes to following my ways. That, it's all, the front row is only for the best. And you people, you got to get in the back. You can't see what's going on. You're going to have to climb trees like Zacchaeus. That's who you are. All the people that get it and that love me and that understand me and that have no doubts, those are the front rows. Is that how Jesus treats? Absolutely not. Jesus doesn't push away doubt. He invites it in. I want you to notice the text. This is really interesting. So, so these people come to him with the doubts of John, which they clearly have themselves. They're saying, listen, are you, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? Now that's a pointed question, right? Again, if I'm Jesus, be like, I, I don't know something, you know? I don't know, touch the dude and, and, and wine starts pouring out of his skin. I don't know, something. I'm a little thirsty. Come here. Jesus can do weird, crazy stuff. But Jesus doesn't push him away. Jesus invites him in. And so verse 21 says, says immediately, the men are there. Men have come to him with a question. So instead of, instead of like rebuking them, he just starts healing people. <laughs> He's just like, hey, hey, that's a really good question. Josh, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> Blind guy, come here. He starts healing blind people. He starts healing people with leprosy, raising people from the dead. Like, like Jesus just goes to work. So does he push people away? Does he, does he push away the doubters? No, he invites the doubters in so that they can have a better view of who he is and what he does. That's what he does. And so he invites in their doubts. He invites in their fears. He invites in their words. And he says, hey, I want to give you a front row seat and a backstage pass to who I really am. And he just starts healing the crowds. And if you read the text, you understand it wasn't like something that happened in 20 minutes. Jesus heals them all. And after hours upon hours of watching blind people see and lame people walk and leprous people be cleansed, he says to them, why don't you just go on back to John and tell him what you have now experienced firsthand? Why don't you just go tell him what you've seen of who I am? Just go back and tell him that you've seen the blind receive sight and the lame walk and the lepers cleansed, and the dead raised. Just go back and tell him that the good news was preached to the poor. Just go back. And that's how he sends them away. What's the answer? By the way, there's a huge lesson in that for us. 
I, I don't know about you, but sometimes um, I know a lot of Christians that we're, we're kind of struggling on our own. So when it comes to doubters, like we're afraid somehow they're going to make us fall. <laughs> like somebody has really good questions, we're like, no, I can't hang out with that person. They're going to ask a really tough question, and I don't have the answers. So we actually push the doubters away, which is the opposite of what Jesus does. He invites them in closer to say, hey, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. And that's going to tie into where we're headed next Sunday. But let me, let me give some application and we'll be done, okay? Uh, number one, um, I, I want to challenge you this morning to bring your doubts to Jesus, okay? I challenge you. So some of you are struggling, and here's the deal. When we start doubting, we kind of feel alone, and we kind of feel awkward, and we kind of feel like that's not something we should talk to God about. Isn't that weird? I, I mean, like, we're struggling. We're like, well, I can't talk to God about the fact that I'm not sure how free will and predestination work out. How does that work out, God? I, I, I can't say that to God. I can't talk to him about those things. I, I can't talk to God about, about what I was reading about here in Scripture when it says this. Or, and we kind of feel like, I, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. And this is the thing I love about the story, right? John is under great spiritual attack. By the way, you can almost hear the enemy in his ears, right? Why, well, you say, why is John doubting? Well, I don't know. Maybe because he's in prison. Like, maybe because he's headed for death. Maybe because his hands and his feet are shackled. Maybe because he had a huge public ministry and a great following and people were repenting and he thought his role was to prepare the way for the Lord. And now this one that God revealed was the Lord who had come to set the captives free evidently isn't setting him free and he's a captive. You can hear Satan in his ear. John, are you sure about this Jesus? Are you sure that this Jesus is who you think he is? Are you sure that that was really God's sign to you? Because I thought the Messiah was coming to set the captives free. And John, uh, if you look down, you'll see that you're shackled, my friend. So he must not be who you think he is. You hear that? That's the attack of the enemy. That's the liar and the thief speaking in John's ear. So what does John do with the doubts that are built from that? What does he do? Does he turn to the Romans and say, Oh my gosh, Romans, I don't know. What do you think? Those that are keeping me here, Herod, Herod, could you explain this to me? Because I thought he was the Messiah, but, but maybe he's not the Messiah. Herod, could you? No, he doesn't go to Herod. He doesn't talk to his other prisoners and say, Hey, other prisoners, would you like to explain? He's not in the self-help section of the prison library. You know what John does with his doubts? Even though he's struggling with his faith, he takes his doubts to Jesus. He calls his disciples and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling, and I just, I want you to go ask him. Because he, and this, he, he still has this utter belief in the depths of who he is. Jesus is going to speak the truth. I may be struggling, but he's going to tell us the truth. So he sends his men and says, hey, just take my doubt to Jesus, and I want you to go ask him if he really is who he says he is. And Jesus answers, friends, he's going to do the same for you. Okay, so if you're struggling with doubts this morning, I just, I want to challenge you. Would you please, please, please bring them to Jesus? Okay, number two, number two. For those of us that have doubters in our life, anybody have a doubter in your family? Close friends? Come on, anybody? Uh, yep, I, I classify them. They're definitely a doubter. They struggle with it. Okay, awesome. So here's, here's the deal. You need to start dealing tenderly with the doubters in your life because that's how Jesus deals with doubters. Uh, let's, let's be honest. Um, that's not how we deal with doubt, is it? You know what we do? We load up our Christian apologetic shotgun, our Christian apologetic AK-47, and we aim it at every single doubter that comes by, and we try to prove to them at gunpoint of apologetics that Jesus is who he says he is. Pa-pa, 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 pa-pa. 
Let me show you this. Look at this proof. I demand that. And we say it all in the most ah, prideful way possible. And we we wonder why people still have doubts because they're like, well, wow, they sure know a lot about Jesus, but they don't seem to love people. I thought Jesus said that all his disciples would be known by their love for people. And what they just came at me with, they were angry, their face was red, and spit was flying from their mouth. As they defended Jesus. Can I just ask you who's defending who? Maybe. Do you think that Jesus needs defense? Or do you think that he's defending you even as we sit here today? And listen, I love apologetics and I love a good conversation with somebody. But if a good conversation with somebody makes me angry at them, then my heart's not right with the Lord. If somebody wants to talk and and I can can reason with them, I'm going to reason with them. Paul Paul reasoned with people in the marketplace. I'll definitely reason with people. I'm well read. I I, I can talk to you about evidence for the resurrection. We can talk about proofs and things. But I'm going to do it in a spirit of love. And the moment that that spirit of love crosses over to the point that I'm like, I want to kill you. Like, that's not good. So friends, I want to I tell you this because we don't deal tenderly with doubters usually. We usually get angry. We usually get fired up. And we, we usually eventually just push them away. So here's my challenge. If we're called to be like Christ, and by the, by the way, we call ourselves Christians, means little Christ, then maybe we should try to deal with doubters the way that Jesus does. Instead of pushing them away, maybe we should actually invite them in so that they can see for themselves who Jesus is, okay? All right. Which brings us to our last point. Last point. This is going to have huge repercussions for us as a church on Easter Sunday next week. I want to challenge you if you're here this morning and you're one of those that struggles with doubt. I just want to challenge you to sit with Jesus and see for yourself. Sit with Jesus and see for yourself. This is why uh, what I've been praying for is we pray, I was praying through, um, Lord, would you lead us to a place in Luke that will naturally get us into Easter. You know, Easter uh, is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? God himself came to earth, lived a perfect human life, died on the cross, was buried, and then on the third day, on Sunday, they went to the tomb and the, stu- the, the stone was rolled away and Jesus was no longer dead, he was alive. Okay? Now, if, if, if you went to a funeral tomorrow and, and you, you looked at the person in the casket and you saw them completely dead and then you went to the graveside and you watched them be buried and you hung around and you watched watch all the dirt be put over the coffin and then on Thursday you saw the person at HEB, you'd probably be freaking out a little bit. I'm just saying it would probably create within you a little bit of doubt and dismay. You might have a few questions, maybe. And do you want to know what Jesus did with the people in the Bible after the resurrection that had the questions? He did the same thing he did with John's disciples. He invited them in. Hey, Thomas, come here. Bud, like, I get it. Like, did you ever read Jesus being angry with Thomas? Was it ever in there? Thomas, how dare you? I can't, I mean, we honestly think that's how God is. How dare, I can't believe you had disbelief. No, he's like, Thomas, come here, buddy. Come here, touch, see for yourself. You can actually touch, look, you want to stick your hand where that spear came in and it busted my heart and all the blood and water poured out here, touch it. Thomas was like, no, I was enough. (laughs) Right? 
Friends, um, our message next Sunday is going to be doubting Easter. And we're going to talk about all the things in Easter that are doubtworthy. All the things in Easter that we have questions about. But here's the cool thing. On Easter Sunday, it is one of the few Sundays of the year that we will be packed. There are going to be people that are brought here because you invited them. You're going to have brothers and sisters and, and fathers and mothers. You're going to have, there are going to be people in church that only come on Easter Sunday. And many of those people are going to have genuine questions about God. They're going to have genuine doubts about God. And what is our response to people with genuine doubt? Do we push them away? Do they make us uncomfortable? No, we invite them in. And so what we're going to do next Sunday for every doubter that would identify themselves is we're simply going to invite them into the gospel of Luke. And we're going to ask them, we're going to challenge them to just sit and hear about Jesus for four Sundays, one month. And, and, and then decide for yourself. For every doubter, for every struggler, would you just enter into the gospel of Luke with us? Give us four Sundays. Set it on your phone. Give us four Sundays. Give us one month. Come and hear the story of Jesus yourself. Come and see. Come and sit. That's what we're going to invite them to do. And maybe you're one of those people that you do struggle with doubt genuinely. Would you just make a plan to be here? That's five Sundays for you now. You've got to be here Easter and the four Sundays that follow her. Just give it your best shot. Just come and see. Come and sit. I believe you'll be blessed, okay? Would you guys pray with me?